What's up, everyone? Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. I am Rob, who hosts the show. Thanks for being here. This episode today with Victoria Will has got to be one of my favorite conversations I've ever had in life, let alone on the, on the podcast. This was uh, one of those, you know, like lightning in the bottom moments. It was really great. I learned so much from Victoria. If you like what you hear today, make sure you're following along on Instagram, underscore Rob Johnston. That's J-O-H-N-S-T-O-N. The website is underexposedpodcast.com. Uh, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That really helps out. Um, and, you know, just wherever you're listening from, thank you. I really appreciate it. So without further ado, this conversation is amazing. It ends with sort of like a therapy session for me. And uh, we, we go deep on this podcast, and it's really fun. Uh, and it was just absolutely phenomenal. Enjoy. Welcome back to Underexposed Podcast. Today, I am joined by Victoria Will. Victoria, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It's great to be here. Victoria began her career in the photography industry as a photojournalist for the New York Post and has since transitioned her focus to celebrity portraiture, editorial, and commercial assignments. She's worked with Vogue, New York Times, Rolling Stone, ESPN, W Magazine, and she has worked with brands such as Carhartt, Levi's, Netflix, Hulu, Epix, AT&T, Bose, Samsung, the list goes on. Uh, and <laughs> I, I discovered you originally, as I mentioned before the show, through Creative Live. And you know what? This is my last time. By the way, I'm just going to say this is my last time mentioning Creative Live until they send a check because this has become so much free promotion for them. This is the last <laughs> time. Chase Jarvis, like, I, I know yeah. you know. <laughs> you've been on the show before. I know you know who I am. Sponsor it so that the 12 people that listen to the show can know about the wonder that is Creative Live. But I uh, write that check, Chase. There you go. It was portraits under pressure and i was like okay. "Ooh, this is cool because i i had watched all these like very technical classes and um bought all these soft boxes and stuff and spent all of my money from my little bs job that i have and i got all this stuff i'm like okay but how do i make a career out of this so then i took portraits under pressure and um you helped me to sort of debunk and sort of demystify the industry i before i took your class i literally thought that people just had incredible networking skills and just like hung out with celebrities and just like went like sauntered over to their house and just took pictures of people. <laughs> yeah. Right. Really... They're, they're friends. That's the illusion they all, though. You know what I mean? To be like... friends. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's and great to hear that yeah. about the class because, well, I do, I, I love the class. Uh, there are some things I would change or update potentially, but you, but the way you described it is, you know, that was the intent. It's, there are so many classes out there on YouTube, on Creative Live that sort of show the technical side of it. And I, uh, I think people can get lost in that. They can get yeah. lost in the photography of it. And, you know, what, do I have the right camera, the right modifiers, the right this, the right that. And, you know, I'm a portrait photographer at heart. I do a whole lot of stuff, but portraiture and storytelling are sort of the, the core of my work. And, I always try to emphasize, especially when I'm teaching, that the portrait has to be there first. So it doesn't matter if it's lit beautifully, if the moment, the gesture, the feeling that you're getting from looking at the picture, if that's not there, then it doesn't matter how well you lit it. Yeah, absolutely. And that, so that was sort of um, just sort of a, it's a different type of course. And um, I think also, to, to, you know, to be completely honest, I think that there are better teachers for when it comes to lighting than, uh, than I would be because I'm not, I, I, I've always, I taught myself lighting. I understand it. I've, but 
describing it to people so that they'll understand it is a, is a different uh, skill set. Yeah. And I haven't practiced that enough. So I just really try to get to the meat of it, which yeah. is sort of, um, you know, an emotional connection, I guess. For sure. Well, it's funny that you say that because I had uh, Jeff Lipsky on the show and he actually gave you a shout out during uh, his interview with me. So at, oh, at the time, I didn't Love know who he was. He, uh, he, well, my spirit he is a him. legend, of course. He's fabulous. Big yeah. fan. Big fan of him as a human and his work. The reason I brought up Jeff Lipsky was because he kind of was the person who opened my eyes to see about that. It's more about the connection, you know, the lighting and stuff like that. Yes, it's good. But did that person have a good time? Like, were you mm -hmm. prepared when they got there? Were you able to execute it? And he said that he would spend the majority of the time developing a meaningful connection with that person. But the communication part is key. And then I took your class so I can kind of see how those two go hand mm -hmm. in hand. So. I can't agree more. It's a, it's funny because when I uh, the when I first met Jeff, um, I didn't realize just how much we had in common. And that is to say that we come from very different paths and we've ended up in the same place. And he was an assistant and came up sort of that traditional apprenticeship way. I was a photojournalist to begin with. I'm mostly self-taught. Um, and yet we have a very similar process, which is really fun to talk about with him because yeah. it's, uh, you know, some people are, you know, just approach portraiture so differently and we are, we really see eye to eye on it. But to your point, it's absolutely about building the connection and having an organic, real conversation, you know, having a, an, an authentic experience. And yes, you want the person to feel comfortable and like they're in good hands. You know, if you're, if you're insecure and we all are start insecure, you know, there's a confidence that you have to build. Um, but if you, if they see that, then they start to wonder, you know, does this person, are they really going to do me justice here? Right. And there is, so you have to sort of break it down into bite-sized pockets, meaning when you go to the shoot, yeah, maybe you aren't the best lighting technician, but then do what you know, be confident in that, you know, and, and, and then be a person and treat yeah. your subject like a person. It, yeah. And I know it, I, I say that like, so flip it's really, <laughs> you know, uh, easier said than done when you're nervous, you're nervous when you're, and you're trying to have a communication, you know, a collaboration with somebody and, and have an open line of communication. You're also worrying about your lighting. Maybe you're worried about the wrinkles in their shirt and the, you know, the publicist behind you who's telling you of two minutes, you know, yeah, there is a lot. So focusing on what you have control over is the most important. Yeah, for sure. I swear to God, I will eventually move on from this class. But one of the things that I love is that um, where you guys did a time session and you had like a dark room and you had to just like work with what you had. And it was eye-opening for me to, to see that that's the reality of it. Cause you know, I just picture it like you go to their big Hollywood home and there's all sorts mm -hmm. of room and they're actors. So like they have time, but in, in fact, it's quite the opposite. It's like a press release or something. There's a short amount of time. So while I've been photographing my friends who are sick of me taking their pictures, I try <laughs> and work on a tight time schedule. And I, and I, I recognize that Yes, I have all these different modifiers and stuff like that, but I also need to have something that I know that I can deliver on. And I love that you just were like, this is like what I, this is like my go-to thing. And mm -hmm. there's not, 
anything wrong with that. Like, yes, expand your expand your skill set and have a wide variety of looks that you can achieve. But when it comes down to it, you really need to have, you know, a workflow that you know works every time. And I'm, I'm working on finding that. But, yeah. yeah. I have to say that um, that's absolutely true and how I work and have worked for a long time. But I do think you need to, um, you need to look at the situation. So right. I was going in and actually putting up the same two lights every time. And I think that was just a base. It was sort of just a starting point, yeah. but I knew that it worked. I knew that, you know, but if the, if that look isn't right for the story or for the moment, then you evolve, you know, yeah. so kind of reading the room is important. If it's like somebody who, you know, is a comedian or there's humor involved, then, you know, having a brighter light could work or, but if it's something, if it's a really uh, maybe a more heartfelt story or something that requires a little bit more nuance, then, you know, then you, then you change it up. So it's about sort of being comfortable in your skill set enough to sort of pivot to what's in front of you. You know, you have a background in photojournalism and, I can see that you aren't, aren't so much into posing. You sort of let things go as they are. Like you, you give them general direction, but it's not like micro managing everything. Mm -hmm. Can you tell mm -hmm. me about how your, your roots in photojournalism have informed what it is that you do now? And, and maybe, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So photojournalism, it's just in the, it's in my blood. I am not actively a photojournalist now. However, the roots of it, are in all of my work because I love storytelling. And that means that it could be a 10 picture series that it tells a story or I could try or potentially I try to tell a story in one frame. You know, there's always, um, that's, that's always in the back of my mind sort of what am I, what's my intent here? What am I trying to get across? I have studied photojournalist. I was one, not a very good one, I should say. I think so mainly humble. because, well, thank you. But mainly because I was at working at a newspaper that didn't was, you know, I, my newspaper days were fabulous because I learned so much and I was shooting every day, all day, constantly being thrown into different scenarios and, you know, having to come back with a picture. And that taught me to be a bit of a utility and to be a bit more of uh, to sort of think on the fly, to be flexible because you never walk in and the scenario is perfect. It just doesn't exist. Yeah. And it, and it turns out that as you grow in your career, that remains the same. Even when you finally are shooting celebrities to your point, I don't get invited to their homes. When I walk in, they're not offering me a latte, you know, it's <laughs> Real person you know, over there. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely, um, there's still a lot of hurdles that you deal with. And so being able to think on the fly and adjust absolutely um, plays into my work all the time and, and allows it to be more organic. So there are photographers out there that are really into sort of strict posing, I guess I would say, or more classical posing. Right. They even publish, you know, posing guides. To be fair, I have never read them, but I, and I, I would be interested. My <laughs> approach comes more from watching body language and seeing what's happening in front of me. Now, that being said, I definitely direct. 
you know, right. I, that looks really great. Just hold that pose, like bring your chin a little bit to the left, you know, bring it up, you know, I'm just yeah. sort of ad-libbing here about how it may potentially uh, sound. But I think there's a point at which it starts to feel stale. And that's when I say, okay, let's shake it up. In a way, I feel like technically I've gotten better, but in terms of directing people, I think I was probably better about it when I thought about it less. Cause now I'm like, well, their hands are, are not in there. Although I think about all these little technical mm -hmm. things. You're just like over there, do that thing. Yes. Like work with me. Like, yeah, that's perfect. Keep going. Like just a, a constant well, there's a, shaking, you know? Yes. Because there's a magic to what you can come up with on the fly. And when you, when you are too clinical about it and think about it too much, I mean, then you're, you're thinking sort of within the box. Yeah. Do you know, you're thinking about options and things that you've seen. And I am always trying to stretch that. I'm just trying to think, you know, what have I not seen? What feels fresh? What would be uh, a nice, you know, a, a moment here. And sometimes that ha just has to be spontaneous and yeah. you have to dig for it in that way. I think it's important to start with things that work for you get up i'm just not that smart i guess you know it's like i'm i'm not that creative i come up with as many things as i can but then when i really sort of stretch the boundaries something happens in front of me and i'm like oh thank god i never would have thought of that thank god i went down this path well i, I disagree that you're not that smart but i i will say that you're <laughs> that you really know how to like switch up the energy and and then respond accordingly so it's not always mm -hmm. like the, the one Thank guy you. in the class was kind of like a talker and i could kind of see that you're like okay stop talking like need to get the pictures done like you know we're running out of time stop talking and then the other woman was like very i'm sure he was you know lovely but and then the other woman was kind of quiet and then you were mm -hmm. able to sort of like bring up the energy so like you mm. were able to like bring it down and bring it up and sort of like take control and that's something that i think that i need to to work on a little bit well taking control that is something i had to learn I mean, yeah. seriously, that's um, oftentimes because I'm a, I think I'm a people pleaser in a lot of ways. You know, I Same. would like people to enjoy the shoot. I would like people to have be, you know, feel comfortable and feel like the images that we make are great. So uh, that sometimes means that I would let them talk too much. And so, the, and I'm like, wait, but I'm not getting what I need, you know, and yeah. I, it, that took confidence to say okay you know what i need you to hold off on that story i would love to hear it but i need your <laughs> undivided attention right. for the next four minutes and then um and then let's finish because the light's you know really hitting you beautifully right here so i want to make sure we get it while we can but also you said something interesting a minute ago about how you in a way you think you were potentially better at directing before you learned more yeah and i think that that's very true and often I think that happens to everybody. The more I know, you know, you can't unlearn things. So the more I know, it's just more things in my head when I go into a shoot right. and it becomes, you know, it, and it really can clutter. And there are moments when I think after the shoot, you know, wait a minute, why was I focused on X, Y, and Z when I really should have been, you know, a bit more present and um, tried this, this, and this. And I would have tried this, this, and this if I hadn't been so distracted in my brain. So uh, it, a lot of that comes down to the preparation. But I think now occasionally uh, I'm, I have too many cooks in the kitchen, so to mm -hmm. speak, in my head. And I have to just say, you know what, forget it. 
what would I do right now if it was just me and this talent? Like if I was not hired by these clients, if I was just, you know, young Victoria, so to speak, you know, uh, maybe more inexperienced Victoria, because there was a rawness to my work that I still really like. And as I become more polished, um, I'm sort of yearning for that. So I'm sort I feel like I'm sort of going in that direction a bit. Yeah, absolutely. And then I always say, absolutely. Do you ever have a word that you always end on? It's like, why do I always say absolutely? Say anything other than absolutely. When I first started, I would absolutely. always say, I would always say, I would always say <laughs> that like, is one and, of um, my words. That's yeah. one of my words. How many images that you take, like how many do you walk away with feeling really great about? And as time progresses, do you get more or is it like a lot of averages? Walk me through that process when you're- Oh, it's such an interesting question because yeah. it's true when you think about what we do for a living, there's significantly more failure than success. Right. You know, when I go into a shoot and the, if I shoot a, let's say a movie poster, something for Netflix, they use one image. <laughs> <laughs> if they use three, I'm thrilled, you yeah. know? So, I mean, I take a thousand photos that are not the one. I mean, that's right. a very big, you know, that's a, a, a large failure rate if you look at it that way. But yeah. I don't look, the word failure is, to me is not scary. I learn something every time I fail and uh, I'm thankful for all of my past failures and they lead, you know, they push me forward and they lead me uh, and inform where I'm going. So I'm not saying it as if a, a woe is me. I'm, you know, I'm such a failure. It's just that when, even on a personal shoot, when I'm not doing it for a client, you know, you make, you edit, you make your selects, you're, yeah. you're, you're honing in on something. And I would say that, you know, if I walk away with five to 10 images that I like, that is a huge success. That's a great shoot yeah. because I'm, and you know, and when I say 10, that to me is even, if I'm taking portraits, I probably don't have 10 that are my top, top, top. But if I'm telling a story, you know, you have details, I have wides, I have tights, I have so sort of a variety. That to me, I mean, what a successful day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know you mentioned about working with the editor. And again, that's not really something that I, I, I thought about because I just thought of it. I literally thought that you were just best friends with all these celebrities. But then then I realized it's like, oh, yeah, like that's right. After because I'm used to like calling my own images and taking them mm -hmm. into, you know, Lightroom and stuff. But um, that was a really great insight that you provided in one of your classes about, you know, making sure that you have a vertical, making sure you have a, a horizontal mm -hmm. and, and all these sort of practical things to think about. Yeah. But it is to me, that's part of my workflow the horizontal, the vertical, the tight, the wide, the, because a, that was how I was trained at the newspaper. Right. However, I enjoy that because it keeps it fresh. It keeps me moving. You know, I don't sit on a stool in a studio right. and put a, my camera on a tripod. I despise tripods me too, yeah. because I'm not fluid with them. There are people that are, can work with them so quickly and I'm just not that person. I feel so encumbered and it's static and I just, even when I really need to, when I'm, let's say I'm trying to put together sort of panoramic and I need to sort of plate the room, I will right. still end up just like ripping it off the tripod. <laughs> and I'm like, I can do this. I'm my own tripod for yeah. goodness sakes. Like <laughs> I, have I have steady hands. Yeah, yeah, Exactly. You know, like yeah. I can lean against something. Um, 
but sending pictures, there's two things I would say about sending photos. Number one, every time I send a WeTransfer link and it sends me a, uh, a notification that it's been downloaded, uh-huh. I sort of like keep hitting refresh because I want the editor to be like, oh my God, these are amazing. You know, that, <sighs> that desire doesn't ever go away. Um, Damn it. I was hoping it would. You know, but I'm also, but also I know when the photos are good, you know, that you, you did your job and you, you know, you've definitely provided the, what they need, but when you've also shot for yourself and there's photos in there that you really love, then it's just a huge win. And I would say that when I used to edit my imagery, I would send too much. I always used to send too much. And the reasoning behind it was that I always wanted to show the editor, Hey, look, I tried this. I did this. I even went over here. I tried this. I tried this. I really put my whole, you know, self into this assignment. And I want to prove to you that I went above and beyond. Right. The problem is with that approach is it's, of course, I'm going for, uh, you know, some sort of validation where they're like, oh, Victoria really, you know, she really explored this right. every which way, but it waters down the imagery. It really waters down the, the cream doesn't necessarily rise to the top. It just becomes more confusing, I think. Yeah. So oftentimes, and you'll hear this, you know, uh, lots of photographers feel this way that some, the, they end up running the image that's your least favorite. Happens all the time, right? And you have to ask yourself. Undefeated. Now I don't even. I don't even put it in there. Like if I don't like it, I don't. If I can't live with it being out in the world, I don't put it in there. And I think that's something I learned from you. So that's a perfect. (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad to hear that because that's the perfect (laughs) way to look at it. Now, you know, I have been burned in that way as well. So I always ask myself, Do I want my name on this when this gets published? You know, it will. Am I going to be proud that my name is on it? Have you ever had a time where you sent it to an editor and they like maybe not hated it, but like you like you missed the mark? And how do you deal with that? Because on my convoluted ego, it's like, who do you think you are? This is terrible. Does that ever happen? Mm-hmm. Like, oh, my God. Yes. And what's okay, it like? so, how do I survive? So I remember one of my first magazine assignments after I left the newspaper and was freelancing. I shot images for Black Book Magazine, which is this amazing magazine. They, they just really took a lot of creative liberties and reminded me a lot of interview. They really yeah. just, it was great. So I was so pumped. And I was photographing Steve Coogan, who's a hilarious British actor, comedian. And I came back from the shoot and was like almost in tears because I just was like, I have nothing. It turned out that there was something in there and it worked out all right. And they kept hiring me, but I have had magazines that have hired me once and I think the, you know, the shoot went fine or, you know, and, and then I never hear from them again. And I've thought about some of those recently. And I, I really, the conclusion I've come to is that I just was shooting so much for them. I was so, shooting so much to please them or what I thought they wanted. Right. That I really wasn't shooting for myself, which is exactly why they hired me. They hired me for my opinion and, you know, for me to bring my skill set and my creative aesthetic to the table. And I was so wrapped up in, does this look like all the other stuff in their magazine? Does this, you know, turns out maybe they wanted something different. 
Yeah. And so I think, uh, I think there's, there, um, one or two shoots like that, that really sort of stick with me again, as a learning experience and, and as that mark of quote unquote failure. But I think about that now when I go to shoots, it's like, no, they want me here. They want my opinion. What's trust your gut and go with it and, yeah. and stop trying to, you know, please everyone in the room because the Lord knows that is impossible. That's such a great point because I feel like I've developed like a look for things, but now, especially doing this podcast, I get so fired up seeing all these different people. And I feel like I'm, it's like, an, it's this industry is like an onion. I just continue to like peel back the layers mm. and get to cooler and cooler and more like this is, this is, I want to be like this person or like this person. But, um, I fell in love with photography through like taking pictures of my family and then trying to make my family look like the Kennedys. I had this book. Um, Amazing. My, my family's from Massachusetts. So, and I've, I've brought uh -huh. this up on the show before. So if you've heard this bit before, I'm sorry, but I have to, you know, Victoria Will is here. So we got to, we got to do it. I, my dad had this book that I discovered. It was like, you know, one of those capturing Camelot books kind of thing. It was mm -hmm. in his office, and I discovered it and they were all over my grandparents' house as well. They're from Massachusetts. So Kennedy was seen as like- Kennedy, you know, this, Kennedy, Kennedy, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the song and everything. He was seen as like the second coming of Jesus. But I discovered these beautiful images and I, and I tried to do that with my family, you know, like that storytelling side of things. And now I just, I feel like I'm lost in the weeds of all this like editorial, you know, I want to be an editorial photo, you know, and to be on the cover of all the big magazines, I need to get back to like my roots and why I came mm -hmm. here in the first place. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's a bad thing to, you know, to try to be Chris Buck for a week or Victoria Will for a week. And because we obviously are our own human beings and, you know, you, so in trying, and I think I've actually said this in that creative live class, I haven't said it in a while, but I really tried to be Norman Jean Roy and Platon and, all the, you know, Annie Leibovitz, all the greats. Of yeah. course, I can never be them for right. a multitude <laughs> of reasons. But yeah. in doing so, I learned what I loved and what I don't love about their work. Or, uh, you know, I, I was able to sort of find myself through that because in trying to be Norman, I was like, oh, wait, I can't, you know, this, this particular shoot, I learned X, Y, and Z, but it definitely is not a Norman shoot, but look how beautiful it is. And it's my own voice. So yeah. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think it's not something you want to be doing forever. I think that once you find and trust your own aesthetic or just your, you know, maybe it's just your impulses on set when you really can just trust yourself, then that's when, you know, you really start to feel like the images are yours. And again, we started our, this whole conversation the same way. Getting lost in the photography is so common. Yeah. I think you have to get lost in the weeds for a while. You have to get more technical. You have to experiment with all sorts of things. And then you come out the other side and you're like, wow, okay, yeah. here I am. Here's me. You know, you can, can clear off the yeah. mirror and look at it and be like, all right, these yeah. are the things that have floated to the top and I, that I want to bring with me. And you're going to leave the rest. Yeah. I felt like my life up until this point, and I feel like this has turned into some sort of weird therapy session, but maybe this is valuable for somebody. I, felt I think that's like, a good thing. It's never a bad <laughs> yeah, thing. Help me. Uh, <laughs> I, you know, I was a DJ, I was a designer and I'm thinking, and, that, and like now I'm going to do like for my third act, I'm going to do photography. Maybe this is the thing, but I got to remind myself. It's like the people that I aspired 
to be like and look up to you like yourself and you know jeff and and everybody else and uh you know chris uh, they it's pressure in time and all of the skill sets that i've learned thus far in my journey will you know like the hospitality side of things the creative side of things the navigating people's expectations it will all work itself out but there's so much information you you think like oh i can expedite this process but i the more i talk to people the more i don't think i can it's just sort of a getting experience and getting that you know i need to get that first like internship type situation mm -hmm. well all of the things that you've done in the past are going to help inform your photography right yeah. so uh I, there's no shortcut but i'm trying and you, and you <laughs> i know i was just about to say but you really don't want that and right. just speaking to you know maybe at that those shoots that i've had where i've done one shoot for a magazine and they never called me again maybe it's because i was given that opportunity too soon you know i really yeah. think you want to you don't want to rush it. You want to feel ready when the, the calls start coming in. You know, um, the fact that you were a DJ to me means that there's this beautiful intersection of your knowledge of music and then now photography. So potentially you will eventually shoot musicians because you have so much. I do actually. It's so funny you say that. Yeah. to connect with them, or perhaps you'll end up shooting editorials and shooting models for, you know, in a way that, you know, music informs, but on a very basic level, music is a huge part of my sets. Yeah. Meaning that drives a lot of the mood. Yes. And the fact that you have that in your back pocket is incredible because I, first of all, I can't do it while I'm shooting. It's too many things. Right. <laughs> right. So I have somebody on set who handles the music and it's, I mean, no, it's not Yo, a hired DJ. DJ for somebody you. If you there. Need, if you need to be that guy, if, if you need, like I saw like Peggy Sorota. There has are a, people. Has dude, a DJ. Yeah, exactly. I'll, you know, I'll be your DJ. Screw this whole photography thing. I'll be your DJ. <laughs> we'll take over. I might take you up on that for something. That would I'm be in. awesome. I'm in. That would be so fun. Or I can um, play my, my weird, like hippie music. My, even though I'm a DJ, my taste in music is very like, um, like a like a sixty year old woman from like San Francisco. I don't know. I listen to a lot of like Carol like Carol King, and like it's weird. DJs listen to the most abstract music because I always listen to like top forty all the time, and I, it's the uh -huh. last thing that I want. So like, I could just come home and like quietly listen to Joni Mitchell. It's very strange. No, I think that sounds amazing, but that also shows how <laughs> deep your knowledge is of of yeah. that industry. It's, I think, you know, that's the way I am about photography. Yeah. And um, to your point, I just had a shoot uh, this week and the editor said, Hey, you know, explain the story and ask me what I wanted to do. And I was like, you know, you're going to need to put a pin in that. I need to think about it. And I turned around and I grabbed a book and it's an old, it's a book. Do I have it around here? It's a really old book of FSA photographers. Um, I literally opened the page and I was like, oh, wow, like that, that's it. And I, and I was inspired by an image taken in, you know, 19, you know, 31, uh, in, I think it was in like rural California. Anyway, um, it just was the right tone for the story. And I was like, okay, obviously I'm not trying to recreate that image, but it was like, okay, I want, it was black and white, obviously. And I sort of called the editor and I said, all right, this is what I'm feeling. I think it should be black and white. I think I should be using more directional light, sort of make the point. And 
he was like, yeah, okay, cool. Let's do this. So it's like, I went deep into my, you know, knowledge base Yeah. in the same way that you can with music. And I think that that's going to be invaluable when it comes to, you know, creating that environment on set and creating that relationship. And also you, when you end up shooting people who know a lot about music, right? it's going to be amazing. Just like, you know, I rode horses when I talk to somebody, you know, when I do shoots for Carhartt and I talk to people who are ranchers and, and I talk yeah, about I horses and cattle, it's like, you know, I can get in there. I'm always learning. And of course, and then there's times when I, I know nothing about the topic. Right. And that's also great because you're like, hey, man, I know nothing. This is so <laughs> interesting. You know, tell me about. Otherwise, um, you're too fired up like I was today. And then it's just, you know, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> no, not at all. It's <laughs> like I. But I, what, what it does is allow for that organic conversation. Like I was just with somebody um, uh, on a construction site talking about, you know, concrete. And I'm like, I don't my I can't wrap my head around how you build a building. So. Right. Let's like lay it out for me, explain it. And yeah. how do you get the concrete on the 33rd floor of a yeah. skyscraper? What? That's and your, they again, your it. photojournalism roots. That's what that is. That's, that's the inquisitive. Yeah. That's so true. It's like the, it's the, the reporter in me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hello, sir. I'm here from, uh, from New York Post. Yeah. Exactly. Sure. You know, so, um, and that was great. And he explained it to me and I felt as though at the end of the shoot, A, he trusted me a bit more because he saw where I was going, but also that I was sort of willing to not be a know-it-all. You know, some people roll in and they're like, I know everything. Right. And it's like, no, I don't. I absolutely do not know yeah. everything. There's so many things I'd love to know more about. And you are the expert in this field. Please educate me. Yeah. And when you're genuinely curious, I think that that shows when you're making work and you're, if you find it inspiring, other people will too. And so you have to listen to that. And you have to trust that. And it might not be the right people, meaning it might not be the editor that day. Um, but if you were really true to you, then you didn't do anything wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. You really sure. are. Because you, obviously you want to please an editor, but the point, sometimes the circumstances aren't there. Sometimes the editor is asking for the moon and, you know, it's you 12 the diet coke right <laughs> <laughs> it's 12 noon and you're like wait what uh, what am i what do you want me to do with this yeah this is a really hard you know it's That's a tough awesome. situation and the person isn't comfortable or the person's not photogenic and you have to create something and it, or so, and as long as you do the best you can then the editor i think will appreciate it but yeah you also have to taper expectations tapering expectations is what I need to work on because there's the people pleaser in me. Like that's my middle name. It's like Rob mm -hmm. people pleasing Johnson should be my name because <laughs> I'm right I, there and, with and you. I think it's on my birth certificate. And that's what the DJing is, right? It's like, I need mm -hmm. to be the center. People are like, Oh, I can never talk in front of a crowd. I'm like, there's not enough eyeballs that I like that. There's not enough <laughs> affirmation that I can get that I'm, you know, like funny. And yeah. I can like, did you like me? You know, it's in me. And then the photography is interesting because it's a little bit different. Like there's a communication part of it, but I need to taper my expectations because not every person is going to get back and be like, this is great. And it's, mm -hmm. it's good to get that. I'm happy. I'm grateful that more often than not, people are very receptive to my photography and, and they're, you know, like I, I'm coming from a world of like photographing my family who's like really proud of me and they love it. And, you know, take pictures of my kids. 
to now mm-hmm. sauntering off into the real world and my expectations are so high because it's like you know it's like a mm-hmm. big fish in a small pond kind of thing um and now going out into the real world seems daunting and i feel like i need to i can't do this seeking other people's affirmation i have to do it because i love it exactly you should you should type that up and stick it above your my next computer, blog post. you know <laughs> because it really it's true we get yeah. when you start shooting for other people that's when it stops being soulful emotional you know my biggest fear is i finally get that shoot like working as like an assistant or, or like photographing like john mayer and then he's just sort of like passive towards me and it's like devastating because that's Listen, like my, it's my god that man's passive period <laughs> i know you, you photographed him tell what was he like yeah <laughs> yeah he kind of just like super chill and passive to be right. honest like he's yeah. like down for it and was present but but we weren't best friends at the end of it and he was willing to do my idea right but he was sort of like okay cool we got what we need like you know yeah. i'm gonna move on with my day and sometimes you want people to be like god that was such a brilliant idea i can't like let's shoot again next week is is it is it tough sometimes when it's sort of this transactional experience and like you want more from it and i know you have to be a professional and you can't be like i love your work so much but um, mm-hmm. what is that experience like? And is that ever tough to deal with? Cause you sort of feel like you're in service to, you know, the more prepared I go in with a clear idea that often really helps because I sort of say, Hey, this is where I'm, this is where I'm taking you. This is the journey we're going on today, <laughs> you know, sort of like, because I, they come in, they see all the clothes, let's say, well, not every shoot's like this, but if I, let's say I have the luxury of having a stylist and we're going to do a couple outfits, a couple different setups. I walk them through where I'm, what I'm thinking for the, for the whole shoot. Look one, two, three, you know, I want one to be outside. I want us to be on the street. I want one to be in the studio. um, That's black and white. You know, I'm just, for example, and it sort of gives them a clear idea of where they're going. And I think that helps because they don't feel like they're going in blind and on those types of shoots, they really, the, the talent really tends to give more because I think they, they we have sort of a, a collective goal. Right. It's like collaboration. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but there's always the shoots that are, you know, 15 minutes and they want to get in and out. And so. John Mayer. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> He had so many shoots that day. Just, yeah, I was yeah. one of, one of a, you know, a billion. Right. And, um, and I'm sure he was thinking that like, oh, that's a great idea because no one else is going to ask that. So let's go over there and do it so that each shoot that he's has that day feels more fresh. Yeah. You're trying to have empathy for them because they, they, like, if you put yourselves in their shoes, you could see how it would be like, I couldn't imagine having my picture taken all day. You know what I mean? Although with my, with my, fragile, with my fragile ego, I'd probably like love it and eat it up and try and be friends with everyone. But, <laughs> but for the average but- person, it's probably exhausting, you know? I think the most important thing is that they trust you Yeah. so that it, the, through the course of that interaction, as you build the trust, you start to see them relax mm-hmm. that, that I have their best interest at heart. I'm not going to try and make them, you know, look, uh, you know, awkward or, right. you know, whatever the case may be that, I, that I'm really working, you know, in, in, with them, we're working yeah. together. Um, once you sort of hit that 
mark, it sort of starts to be more fluid. And why would somebody trust you from the get go? That has to be a very confident human, you know? Yeah. So it, I don't blame people when I, when I walk in, you know, within the age of COVID, the first thing I do is to lower my mask and say, this is me, but I'm Victoria. This is who you're dealing with today. Yeah. And they always say, thanks for letting me know because otherwise I just see your <laughs> eyes all day. What's yeah. that about? Yeah. You know, I, nice touch, I yeah. definitely put myself in their shoes mm -hmm. and I am, um, I guess I'm as vain as the next person. You know, I want my, the images of me out there to be, um, the best that they can be. So, you know, when, when I feel like someone is working for me and not against me, that's obviously helpful. Right. Is there any advice you give for people that are just starting out when presenting their work? I, okay. And I'm curious, do you still feel like it's really important to have things be in print? I know on that creative live thing at the time, mm -hmm. you were like, it has to be in a book. And I'm curious to know if you've changed your tone on this or is it still, should you have a, a printed portfolio if you're going out to be an assistant? Cause I'm, I'm applying for whatever that you're doing, wherever you're at, I'm going to get my shit together for a couple I'm like six months from now, you will be hearing from me. I want to, I want you to be my boss, but while I'm getting ready in the meantime, do I make, <laughs> do I make like a book? Do I make like a, I have a website. To what answer your question in one word, should you have a printed book? The answer is absolutely. There you go. Nice callback. Yeah. <laughs> but let me explain my thought and put a big asterisk on that because okay. in the time of COVID, people are not meeting in person. So you need to have something online. I personally think it should not be your website because when you're having a meeting with somebody, they've already looked at your website. That's why they said, yes, please come in. Mm -hmm. So you need to show them something else in my opinion. And what you show them is, a, is your voice, a curation of your imagery so that you hand them sort of a feeling like, hey, check out these. And it's a book that's curated for that, for that end game, right? So that when, they, when, they, when you leave, they totally know who you are and they get it. And so as you're flipping, there's a, you know, uh, a cadence to the imagery and it flows well, right? You can still take that printed book and do a digital version. Yeah. There are all sorts of uh, software out there. There's Flipsnack, there's Issue, there's, I think Adobe even maybe does a portfolio building tool. It could just be a beautiful PDF, to be honest. There's Canva now. So yes, absolutely. I'm a very strong believer in printed portfolios. The other reason is because when you are sitting down and you lay out all your work or you're looking at, you know, we're probably looking at our work online. Uh, you know, maybe you're just scrolling through your Lightroom catalog, whatever it is. When you're putting your work together, you're going to start seeing themes. You're going to start seeing a thread and that's invaluable. I think that it takes sort of sitting down and diving in, in a deep way to see that. Because you can't just say, oh yeah, I'm a portrait photographer and I always, you know, my theme is emotionally connected imagery. Well, how, are, how am I emotionally connected to them? Is it, you know, and sort of, I like to, 
print really inexpensive, crappy four by six prints of things and then look at them and pin yeah. them on my board and look at them for a little while and move them around. But that I'm just tactile. Again, I'm, I like printed things. So <laughs> that's how I do it. But um, in the digital age, I have taken my printed book and created a version that feels similar. And it's a link that I can send to people that I'm meeting with and they can turn the pages. Right. So it, it, you know, it's, it's close to that portfolio experience as I can find in the digital COVID era. But the minute we can go back to meeting people in person, I'll be there ready. with my book. I'll get six, that book ready. Six months from, from, from now, I'm going to have prints. I'm going to have a book. It's all going to come together. And I, I really feel, I feel like so. It will come together. Yeah. It will come together. And when you look at it, you'll be like, hot damn. I know. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good at this. Yeah. You know, or, and you'll start to see things that you really like, whatever that is, you know, I, I don't want to um, sort of guess because there's so many things that will then motivate you forward and inspire you forward. You're like, oh, I really loved when I did this. Let's see what happens when I do that again. But we try X, Y, and Z. It's just a constant, um, you know, constantly pushing the envelope and trying to learn and trying to, I mean, and I say that. I've been doing this 20 years now, you know, I still am always trying to learn something new, trying to find something that makes me feel like it's um, a breath of fresh air, kind of, Yeah. especially in an age of such saturation. As soon as you get comfortable with the idea that there isn't going to be a regular rhythm, yeah. then you start to succeed because I mean, I just, first of all, I just had a baby. So I have been off of work for two months. Congratulations! <clears throat> Thank you. And it's, even though I absolutely thrilled to be home, this is my third baby and final, I should say, but <laughs> it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, I still am uncomfortable. I want, there are things I want to be out doing, but it's not possible right now. And right. when I'm on maternity leave, I am just unemployed. You know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. Victoria will ink or whatever my <laughs> business name is, does not have, right. uh, you know, the, the maternity policy that I would have liked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> six, six months paid leave. That would have been great. Um, and my wife is a teacher and she has insurance. So I'm, I'm like, I really should just, you know, we could be, we could be broke for a couple of months and I can go assist people or I can keep doing this little like footsie game where I have this like stable fucking job and I'm sitting around doing like nonsense all day. Well, you need to commit fully. You know, you really yeah. do just to know you need just to, so that you just can say to yourself that that's your, you committed, right? You right. know, you definitely don't want to put yourself in a situation that's impossible. So when I say, yes, you know, you really need to commit full time. That is whatever your comfort level is. I, I definitely don't want to say to people out there, you know, go yeah. hungry and be broke and be yeah. that's, you know, be a starving artist because yeah what that means for everyone is different. And I don't, you know, you don't want to find yourself in a, a really difficult situation, but there is a level of commitment that you have to apply to yourself and, and take risks. I mean, yeah. you just have to take risks. It doesn't come easy in the sense of, you know, it's, if it, there's such a hustle and I've, I've said this a million times, I am not the most creative photographer there is out there, but I have, serious hustle in me and I mm -hmm. show up to work every day. So there a lot of the photographers out there that are 
you know, we'll just call them better photographers. They're more creative, they're whatever they are, but they don't, they can't handle the, the work behind the work, the, you know, the emailing, the networking, the constantly updating your book, constantly updating your portfolio, reaching out to people, doing personal shoots. I mean, there's so much sort of noise that's mm-hmm. part of it yeah. um, that a lot of people just refuse to do. And I've just seen people get tired of that and, and then they go and get a, you know, a sociology degree. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, all right, you know, so um, the, don't underestimate the fact that you've already, you know, you already have the drive and you have already taken the risks. So yeah. Well, thank you. That's half the battle. Yeah. I, it feels like I was swimming upstream and now it feels like I'm swimming like downstream. Like, um, I don't know. Do you know Angie Hayes? She's yeah, very yeah. well. I talked to her the other day, similar, very similar conversation to this, uh, where, where we were like, it was supposed to be like short. And then we ended up talking for forever. Yeah. But like after talking with you today and talking with her while they're just passing conversations, it, it, it feels a lot more like, yes, like that. The universe is like this is like what you should be doing. Whereas in design, mm-hmm. it always felt like, could I, but could but could I do this? Still, like, well, we'll see. Well, like we'll, we'll see if you could do this like song and dance and like become part of. Whereas mm-hmm. this feels like I'm focused. Pardon the pun, but it feels like I'm focused and it feels like right, you know. So it's a it's a good feeling. So. Well, I think that you just have to start, and then you you will continue to grow because they you know, the work that you make in the beginning will, you'll look back on it and some of it, you'll be like, what the fuck was I thinking? (laughs) And then other work, you'll be like, wow, that was really, that, that feels right. Like that was a really successful shoot. And I used to think that everything I shot for the New York Post was just garbage. Right. And because I'm just, that was 15 years ago. Like I've just learned so much and had so many more opportunities and, and have been able to sort of, you know, nuance my lighting a, a million things. I'm a better director, communicator, all the things you hope that happen with age. But I look back and some of the work I was like, ah, yeah, actually some of that in each shoot, there's one or two, maybe not each shoot, not every shoot, like hundred yeah. percent, not every <laughs> shoot, but, oh, you know, in, in certain shoots, there really were nice moments that I was able to create or capture, you know, however the scenario was. And that's um, just a testament to go- getting out there and learning. And it's like, I think there's also a beauty to looking back and being like, God, thank God I've come so far. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah. and you, you will do that, yeah. but you just have to start. Yeah, that's awesome. I just want to make sure people can follow it. So it's victoriawill.com, right? Yeah, victoriawill.com. I'm really on Instagram far too much. And really that's the only social channel that I yeah. really, I dabble in TikTok, but only because people post it on my, it ends up in my algorithm on Instagram. I'm with I you. only I, have time, time for one. So. I, I tried doing TikTok and then it was just sort of, I, I felt, I felt old. I don't know. Instagram, it's like my, like my, you know, Instagram mm-hmm. and Facebook, that seems to be like my age demographic. Like when I'm on TikTok, I feel like I'm at some sort of like weird high school party that like I'm not supposed to be at. <laughs> and, then, and then there's always like this thing of like, oh no, oh no, 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 no. Like these dumb sound bites that just like rot your brain and then you just keep scrolling and never ending. 
I feel like TikTok for me was a little bit like depressing. I literally just deleted it. I don't care. I'm probably losing out on like tens of thousands yeah. of potential viewers. I don't fucking, I'm just, I'm here on Instagram. Totally. Uh, all I know. The people it's, I, there's, uh, all there was just too much, too much noise, too many sort of cutesy things yeah. that I guess it could have been the algorithm that I was seeing, but I was, you know, there wasn't sort of any meat to it. It was just sort of that doom scroll that just gets you nowhere. Um, yeah. I mean, and that can happen on Instagram too. Absolutely. If you're, if you're not careful, but you have to curate your, who yeah. you follow and well, shut I try, down ads. I tried getting like the, 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 the photography hashtags and it was like, so you're a photographer. And then all of a sudden there was like these like glow string lights and stuff like that. And like weird filters. I'm just like, I'm out. I'm going back to creative life. So <laughs> <laughs> this has been yeah. so much fun. Uh, really it's been amazing. And, uh, I think we, I say this a lot, but I think we became best friends. We got to, we got absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. You like that? See, it's my word I'm, now too. Oh, sorry. I missed it there. Yeah. I'm so used to hearing it. <laughs> no, so. that just rolled off my tongue. I mean, now yeah. I've really drank the Kool-Aid. That's, yes. that's what that means. That's good. No, I feel, um, I feel like we could talk for many more hours about many more things. So yes. that's always a sign of a great conversation. Thank I'm going to get my portfolio together and then we'll have an excuse to hang out more and you can review it and you can give me honest, harsh feedback and you're going to help me be great. And, and I'm, I can I'm, do that. I'm going to be part of like the, the inner, I, I will be a part of the, the, the group of people that are really out there doing like the big editorial thing. I'm going to get that variety magazine cover with John yeah, Mayer. Are. It's going to have sort of like a Peggy Sirota, like very sunny sort of look to it, but it's going to be like my <laughs> version of it. I will manifest that shit. It will happen. I, I am here for it, man. You this guys will great. adopt me. I will be a part of like the rotation. And then when people will go to like my comments and stuff, it'll be all the, all the who's who of the industry commenting and being very encouraging for right now. They're just kind of like, who is, who is this kid? This is, <laughs> this is too intense, but eventually no, I think have it, good enough manifesting it matters. I think that you have to have confidence in yourself and putting a goal. I think it's important to have goals that are just outside your reach. You know, just, they just, they're, they're destination, you know, they're not, it's going to take some work, but yeah, but it's definitely feasible. I think that's really, I have lots of those just so Var you know. Variety <laughs> magazine cover by 2027. Let's do it. That's attainable. It's happening. <laughs> I'm making it happen. I'm there for it. I can't I don't wait know why, to see I don't it. know why it's variety. I think because I would see like those sort of like old fashioned movies where like Bing Crosby is holding like the big variety newspaper. Yeah. That's sort of like Still the zeitgeist that I have. Yeah. But you know what I mean? I think it's in White, in White Christmas. They're like reading on the cover of variety. See, that's my design, my design roots. It's like, you know, wanting to have that cool thing. But, you know, People Magazine, whoever, I'm not, I'm not too particular. <laughs> You're not picky. Fair. You're like, hey, yeah. will you take pay me to take photographs? Yeah. Then you'll be there. Exactly. Awesome. This has been so much fun. We're going to put a pin in this for now. And uh, it was good talking to you. And uh, let's keep in touch. Thank so you. fun. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye.